Trade PMR offers to support the growth that RAAs deserve. Whether you're looking to add an additional custodial services provider or make the switch to a new one, Trade PMR offers advisors access to dedicated team members. So when you need help, you know exactly who to call. Trade PMR, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to the Wellstack Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the Director of Wellstack Content and Solutions. In this episode, I'm fortunate enough to be joined by Thomas Moore, Head of Betterment for Advisors. And today's topic, how custodial competition will transform the advisor space. So this could probably be a three-hour-long podcast, but we're going to cover it about 30 minutes. So Thomas, thrilled to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to chat custody. And I have to say, I was looking through the notes and I love uh, the format of the discussion we're about to have. You have some great segments in here. So I'm excited about those. Oh, well, thank you. I pride myself <laughs> on having a little bit of fun with these. So yeah. <laughs> we'll have we'll definitely have a good time in this conversation. But before we even get into the first segment, I want to start with your background. And I always say it's actually the hardest question, but tell me what makes Tom, Tom, and ultimately how you landed at Betterment. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't know what it says about me that that is maybe the hardest question here. But uh, I guess I'll, I'll just kind of go back to uh, or start with why financial services. You know, I've always been a very analytical, practically minded person. So I think when it, when it originally came time for me when I was younger to pick a track, uh, I was naturally drawn to kind of finance, economics, uh, markets. And I think the reason for that is that I just loved how intertwined markets were with pretty much everything, right? Whether it's business, pop culture, politics, the markets reflect current events in all those areas. And so that was really appealing to me. And I think it kind of jived with uh, my mentality of being a lifelong learner, lifelong student, if you will, um, you know, just staying up on on uh, industry events uh, means constantly learning and constantly evolving. Uh, I think that's that's why I I landed at least in in the industry uh, prior to Betterment. I spent most of my career working for asset managers, uh, both with advisors and direct to institutions. So, you know, this was kind of a crash course on financial markets and and B two B, the B two B financial services landscape. And I love you know as I was just talking about how that kind of aligned with with my passions. But I think after several years working working for for those types of firms, I was looking for something that was more mission driven and a product that maybe could make more of an immediate impact. Uh, and so all this kind of aligned around betterment. You know, they they really fit that description to a T. I was able to use a lot of my prior knowledge and experience. Uh, and apply it to a business where we were we were really helping people in this case advisors solve real problems. So that's the first piece. And then I think the second piece is that we were really aiming to serve a underserved population, which I would call kind of the the small to medium size RIA, which we'll get into that here later on in the the discussion. But again, it was a, it was a mission that I can get on board with, and I think. It was a product that made made a real difference for advisors, and so um, that's that's why I was drawn to it. And now, six years later, we're we're still trucking along, and I think uh, you know our most exciting years are ahead of us. 
Well, I'm impressed that you knew what you wanted to get into uh, early <laughs> on, because when I graduated with my mass comm degree, I said, what the heck am I going to do? I had zero intention of going into finance, let alone wealth management. And now I'm in the subsect of wealth tech. <laughs> so I will say my parents are super thrilled that I get to put that degree to use and do things like this podcast and video. So I'm impressed that you knew early on that this was the route that you're going to take. So forget it, that being a hard have, question. <laughs> it might not have been quite as seamless as it, as it just sounded there, but uh yeah, we'll stick with the story. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I appreciate the background and the context. And so, you know, with that being said, let's dive into this first segment that I love to call Stats All Folks. And so before we really get into the specifics around betterment for advisors, you know, I have to ask about the robo-advisory space um, because that's really what you what Betterment is is known for. I remember when it came out, there was all sorts of panic about it. <laughs> so let's dive into that because according to Statista, assets under management in the robo-advisor market in the United States are projected to reach somewhere around $1.5 trillion in 2024. And Betterment, obviously a leading player in this domain, has really exemplified how robo-advisors are transforming the world of finance by simplifying investment processes and financial planning. So talk to me about trends in this space and how Betterment is ultimately staying at the forefront. Yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy uh, to think that it's been, what, 15 years or so since kind of the birth of the quote-unquote robo-advisor. And I just look back and, you know, the industry has come such a long way uh, in that time. I think Betterment and our, you know, that cohort of fintechs, I like to kind of think of it as, you know, we've really grown up alongside our clients, if you will. And I think one, that's that's given us a really deep understanding of the investor, you know, what they want, how they're evolving. And I think Betterment and again, our cohort, we've done an amazing job of what I would say, what I would what I would call meeting trends with thoughtful value add innovations. So a couple of examples of that that come to mind for me. You know, big one is is you know the investors' demand for more choice and more value. You know, so over the years, you know we've we've expanded our offering to cash, to SRI, to student loan payments, to small business four hundred one ks, to tax tools for financial advisors, even to crypto, right? And this was really a direct response to you know, the investors increasing demand for more choice and more value. Uh, so that's kind of one trend I think about. The other one is is just the changing demographic of the investor, right? So we talk about generational wealth transfer. We talk about uh, millennial investors um, getting older um, and, and having, you know, more money to invest. Um, but they have a different way that they want to do business. And so we talk a lot about, you know, meeting clients where they are. And I think this is where we've focused so much of our time and effort on, on the idea of a client experience that's engaging, that's intuitive. You know, we're mobile, we're basically mobile first at this point. And we find that that's the platform where investors are, are engaging primarily. So the client experience has become, you know, a huge aspect of that as well. And, you know, I kind of summarize all this, I guess, in saying that, and we've really transitioned, Betterment's transitioned from a robo into what we call a, a digital wealth management platform uh, that's now not only servicing uh, end, end retail investors, but also advisors and small businesses through our record keeping platform. And 
I'll make one last comment, not to drone on here, but I think one of the things that I'm most proud of along the way is our brand. You know, 15 years old, uh, we're in a heavily regulated market. I think we've we've emerged as uh, a tenured but leading wealth platform for tech forward investors. And you know, we've become some sort of a house some somewhat of a household name in that target market, one that's established and trusted. So I kind of uh, think about the financial services organizations that are transcendent, right? the the incumbents, if you will, the Schwabs, the fidelities, and the vanguards of the world. And their common thread is that they are all strong consumer brands. And I really believe that betterment should and can be looked at as sort of the next gen of those legacy brands. I would completely agree with that. It still feels like betterment is this innovative startup, but now you're just this innovative established firm, as like you mentioned. And I think what's so exciting for this space is that you're really allowing, like you said, the the consumer to drive the the product development and ideation around betterment, which and just putting the client experience at the forefront and making that really the centralized place where you're saying, yep, this is this is what's ultimately going to drive our product roadmap. And so, you know, I, I do remember when betterment first came out and there is all this excitement, oh gosh, what is Robo going to do to the space? But honestly, it's it's been the best thing that could have happened because not only are you forcing these legacy firms also to innovate, it's you're really setting setting the trend and the the cadence and pace for where things are heading. So I've always enjoyed watching the Betterman story and the and the come up around it. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, Schwab, Fidelity, Pershing, and that's really what I want to get into around this conversation is the custody space is changing. And according to a recent Cerulli report, 84% of the assets in the RA market are controlled by those ones we just mentioned, the Schwabs, Fidelities, Pershing, LPL. Yet one in four RAs is actually exploring adding a new custodian in the next year or so. And I'm sure, as you know, the custodial business is notorious for being hard to break into. So why did Betterman ultimately want to get into this space? Yeah, I mean, a few reasons. I'll comment kind of on where the industry is today and then maybe backtrack into, you know, why I felt we felt like we were a natural fit. I, yeah, there there absolutely has been a, a significant shift in the market. I think we've always we've always seen consolidation at the top, but the merger of Schwab and TD Ameritrade last year, I think really marked sort of a paradigm shift um, where you are seeing even more consolidation. And then you're seeing challengers kind of rise to uh, the opportunity that that could present. Um, I think that opportunity is that, you know, naturally as the largest of the large battle for scale, there are the smaller RIAs that potentially can be underserved. And so that kind of brings me to why I think, you know, we've felt like we are well positioned um, to take advantage of that opportunity. I think the first thing is, you know, we have a different approach that, you know, for a while now has resonated with advisors who we've engaged with. Now we're, we're an all-in-one uh, solution for our advisors that solves some of their biggest problems, right? So we talk about building scalable operations, which can be a challenge, especially on some of the legacy technology that's out there. We talk about all the time and money that advisors spend 
both on cobbling together, you know, the the 10 different uh, software platforms that they use, as well as just uh, sorting through antiquated processes. We talk about the challenges in delivering a consistent quality client experience, and then just adding more value for your clients. And I think uh, the all-in-one nature of Betterman's platform, its integration, its focus on the client experience naturally solves a lot of those problems. So there was a there was a natural positioning. There is the brand, you know, which we've talked about, which is becoming more and more of a differentiator as we get more brand awareness, obviously, but also as our brand becomes associated more and more with B2B, right? With the advisors rather than exclusively with retail investors. And then I think not to get too businessy here, but I think that our business infrastructure was also set up to be differentiated in this marketplace. A lot of the challenges of entering into the custody marketplace is that it can be expensive and it's an acid-heavy business operationally. Uh, but we've had you know, an in-house custodian since the beginning. Uh, and so a lot of those hurdles we'd already overcome. We'd also you know, already done the work to build scale, asset scale, uh, and if, and we've kind of overcome the challenges that that can present early on. So we built kind of a dynamic, stable business. We had this this consumer trusted consumer brand, and we had differentiated technology. And I think you know that's why we feel super confident uh, as we see more and more opportunity in in uh, the RA custody landscape. And as you said, Betterment launched about 15 years ago and Betterment for Advisors was launched around 2014 or so. So you're coming up on the 10 year anniversary. And because you are already, like you said, that household name, especially on the B2C side, you know, what's changed in a decade then on the Betterment for Advisors side of the business? You know, what's ahead? What are you most excited about? What big changes have you seen and what's coming down the pike? Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of got we started getting into this on the on the the last question, but I think what's changed is the time is now. The market is ready for a challenger uh, who's well positioned. Uh, so, you know, I think we talk about Betterment for Advisors launching in 2014, but I think at the time it was really uh, more of an opportunistic entry into that market. You know, we had advisor partners that were interested in using our technology. But we were still very much focused on building scale in our and a brand in our retail business. And it wasn't until more recently where we saw this opportunity in the B2B landscape. We knew we just we knew that it was the future of betterment, right? That we that we wanted to enter B2B markets. That's not only custody, but also 401k record keeping. And so, you know, we've we've really started to lean into it. Um, but it's really it's been an evolution. And, you know, I'm glad that we've evolved this way in retrospect, because I think it's created a lot of the the advantages that, you know, we just we just kind of went through. Absolutely. And just so our audience knows, too, we, we touched on a little bit, but who is ultimately the best fit and target audience for Betterment for Advisors? I know you mentioned really leaning into serving kind of the underserved smaller RAAs, but specifically, you know, who are those targets? Yeah, and I and I want to be super explicit about that. Like we are focused on the small RA um, because of all the reasons we just listed. You know, it not only is it a great opportunity that we're well positioned for, but it also fits with the Betterment mission, right? We want we want to serve the underserved in all three of our business segments, 
because that's what we've always stood for. But to be more to be more specific and 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 dig into that question, I think you know within kind of that small RA category, the the advisors that we fit the best with are the ones that are embracing new technology, right? So we call them the tech forward advisors. Um, we want to work with the people that put the client experience first, because that is very philosophically aligned with with Betterment. And then, of course, we want those that are growth focused, not only because we want to be uh, mutual beneficiaries of that growth, but because our platform is built to help growing RIAs grow faster. And not that AUM is everything, but would you say it's really the firms that are, you know, up to about 250, 300 million in AUM seems to be the sweet spot for Betterment? I would say that's the top end. Yeah. Top end. Okay. But so we've always emerging folks to breakaways. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we've always stood for the small RA, the startup RA, right? We 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 think we can be a great all-in-one solution for RAs to to start their firm without having to go out and and find, you know, five, six, seven different vendors. Yes, the swivel chair effect. Everybody loves that. Exactly. And that's where, you know, you can realize a lot of efficiency and a lot of economies of scale is in um, kind of building your practice around a single integrated solution. On behalf of wealthmanagement.com, we invite you to join us on May 13th through 16th of Hollywood, Florida for WealthStack, part of Wealth Management Edge. Our agenda is designed to power a new generation of growth-oriented advisors with the latest innovations and trends in technology strategies. From captivating keynote speakers to interactive workshops, dedicated think tanks, a dynamic exhibit hall, and hands-on demonstrations of cutting-edge technologies, you'll leave with a deep understanding of how to accelerate growth at your practice. Use promo code PODCAST20 to save 20% off your registration. Visit wealthmanagementedge-event.com for more information. And you mentioned growth. And of course, we have to talk about that because growth continues to be top of mind for really every advisor in RAA, no matter the size. So where are you seeing advisors are finding growth right now? Obviously, you know, between the market volatility we saw last year, that they were able to ride really this, this bull market for the last several years. And now it seems to be a, uh-oh, we need to do a gut check a little bit and figure out what our strategies actually are around growth because we can't just <laughs> ride the markets anymore. So what are you seeing around that? Yeah, I mean, I would echo your sentiments. Like growth is always top of mind, especially in this in this target market, right? Because uh, the small and, and scaling firm, I think, you know, as a business, we've always felt that if you can help your advisors grow, that you will always be a valuable partner. So I'll just throw that out there. I think we've we've attacked that in a few different ways. More, you know, getting more tactically into your question. The first is you know something that we've been touting since the beginning, which is that we provide a scalable platform to give time back to our advisors that they can focus on revenue generating activities. Right. So that's that's kind of the core of our value proposition, uh, and I think that our experience coupled with that is attractive, right? So it's advisors can put their best foot forward leading with our experience, which is, you know, white labeled for new potential customers. But more tactically, we've also rolled out products and services that we think can can help advisors directly attract new customers. So we think about cash, right? 
uh, with the rise in interest rates, you know, we we rolled out a high yield cash account, and then we've seen advisors use this as is sort of a front door um, for onboarding uh, into their advisory firm. Oh, interesting. So I think that's been an, a really interesting kind of ta- timely tactical solution that's that's arisen with sort of this shift in the market paradigm. The other is our 401k solution. And so there's so many advisors out there that work with small business owners, but they maybe are not advising on the 401k plan. And there's so many reasons why uh, we're seeing more and more people do this, right? One is to to make sure that you own the entire relationship, of course, but this can also be a new and interesting revenue channel for your firm. And it can get you access and credibility with new potential prospects, right? Other participants of the plan. So, uh, you know, again, we kind of look around the Betterment ecosystem and try to find ways that we can leverage our suite of products and services to help advisors add more value. Uh, and I think, you know, with with all of the tailwinds in the, the 401k space, small plan movement, the convergence of retirement to wealth, there's a lot of uh, value there. And then of course, there's there's value in being able to provide an interesting cash management solution. So I have to ask then, you know, what's on the roadmap for Betterment then? You know, obviously the platform is designed to help advisors ultimately scale their their business, but are there any areas that you're leaning into heavily uh, in this year or next year? Are you looking at implementing AI, you know, strategies around data? What's on the roadmap here? Yeah. I mean, high level, I think, you know, the way we feel about the product to date is that we we have, and we've always had differentiation, right? So I, I've talked a little bit about that. We haven't got that much into, you know, our automation and, and, and all of that, but we've always felt differentiated. And now really our focus is being able to handle anything and everything that comes to an advisor. And by that, I mean more of the blocking and tackling, right? Like sure. more, pl- more portfolio effects, flexibility, more investment options, more unique account types. We need to we need to to round out the offering um, so that we are right there on par with the Schwabs and the Fidelities and the TD Ameritrades. So I have to ask then, what what are advisors' favorite parts about using Betterment? What's the kind of ultimate feedback that you get from folks once they're up and running and they're utilizing it with their clients? What are they saying? It's experience, experience, experience. I mean, the clients love it, right? That's that's the key. And that's what makes, I mean, selfishly, that's what makes the business sticky, right? Is if the clients love it, then the advisors will love it. And so that that's definitely the most common piece, to feed, piece of feedback. But I think the other one that comes to mind is the operations staffs, right? So love the, to advisor, hear it. <laughs> the advisors are out there, you know, meeting with clients. That's great. That's what they do. And a lot of times it's left to the operations people to actually, you know, get the money in the door, service the clients effectively. And that's where we can help out a lot. I learned a long time ago in this industry that if you make the operations people happy, then then you win. Um, <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> so I think it's the clients and the and the operations people, and and those are our best friends. Awesome. Well, appreciate that. So 
Now it's actually time for segment two of this episode, Tom, uh, ask us anything. And this is where I get to put you uh, in the hot seat even more so now, because I've gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions they want answered by you. And we certainly had a few folks dropping into the DMs this week. So if you're up for it, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Yeah, these were the, this was the part I was excited about. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad you're excited. Um, so first question uh, is actually around uh, AI. So Betterment has always had its disruptor persona. Like we said, remember the industry panic about robos. But now we're all kind of panicking, trying to figure out what to do with AI. Is Betterment adopting AI within its platform and for its fintech? It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a 2024 podcast if there wasn't a question about AI. No. But I, I, I actually appreciate your framing of this question because I, I, I love to, you know, in the context of, of this new AI wave, I like to harken back to the original sort of, like you, you, you call it industry panic around robos. Because I think there is a lot of interesting similarities to be drawn there. Uh, I think, you know, there was initially a lot of trepidation, especially from the advisor community right? That, that this have, this technology was going to replace them, um, was going to make them less relevant. And I think the reality is that we learned that you, you can't replace the advisor client relationship. Uh, and on the contrary, that technology ended up empowering the advisor to make them more productive and help them add more value for their clients. So I think broadly, I, I feel the same way about AI. I don't think you will replace the advisor-client relationship, and that's why we started an advisor business in 2014. But I think there are really exciting ideas around how AI could augment the advisor's day-to-day to, to, again, add more value and make them more efficient. I think there are a lot of challenges right now around implementation just because Mm of how uh, heavily regulated the industry is. Uh, so I think you know more work needs to be done to to utilize AI for real client output without you know sort of a gatekeeper. Uh, but we're certainly you know we have been and we are implementing it internally uh, where it can be valuable uh, to the Betterment organization. A couple examples of that, you know certainly in our engineering team, uh, co-pilots and, and that sort of thing to increase productivity. We're experimenting in using it with chatbots for servicing some of our small 401k plans, you know, and then of course, marketing is using it to help draft comms. So I think this is sort of the the typical response, but, you know, we're kind of walking. And then I think as things evolve, we'll continue to look for, for opportunities to kind of run with it. Oh, absolutely. I get asked all the time from advisors, oh my gosh, what should I be doing with AI? I need to be doing this. And I say, take a step back and look at your business needs. You shouldn't just implement AI just because it's the hot new, it's not new, but the hot new thing in this space. I always say, no, no, no. What can AI solve for you? Is it automated workflows? Is there, like you said, marketing comms, things like that? What do you actually need AI for? And then go down the path of implementing it because too many people were just saying, oh, I need to have it as a part of my practice or my business. And no, 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 just take a breath. (laughs) It's it's okay. No one's coming for your job right now, as you said. (laughs) Well, I always chuckle because, you know, when when Betterment first launched, I remember people talking, saying that Betterment's technology was AI, (laughs) right? Which is just, it's algorithms, uh, it's automation. 
Um, but it's it's a fundamentally different thing than AI. But mm-hmm. again, there's so many similarities there. And and I agree. I mean, I think there'll be there'll be some really exciting applications that will solve again some real problems, but it it should be exciting for for advisors. No, I completely agree. And I, this is a space that I know I will be watching closely. So Tom, I have one more question for you in this segment. Sure. Um, does Betterment have long-term plans to compete up market? And if so, how do you plan to evolve in order to do that? So we, and I've kind of spoken this to this already, but we are focused uh, on our target segment, right? So whether we're talking about small businesses small RAAs or, you know, end investors. Uh, that's where we feel like we are mission aligned, where we have differentiation and, you know, where we have product market fit. Uh, and we want to and are excited about standing for those customers. Uh, that's that's where things sit today. Uh, and I think there is a ton of opportunity and, and growth uh, for us there. All right. We'll have a follow-up episode <laughs> when that happens. That there eventually. we go. All right. Well, I do appreciate you being put on the spot and being put in the hot seat. Um, But we have come to our final and what is probably my favorite segment that I affectionately call stack it or whack it. And yes, I have t-shirts that say that I kid you not. I wear them at our conference and pass them out, Um, but I digress. So I'm going to throw out a few technologies and be warned. They are not always well tech related or even tech related. And you just tell me if they are worth the hype, essentially stack it or whack it. So First question I have for you, after a little bit of online creeping, I did see that you're an an Oregon grad, which I'm going to make a heavy assumption that you are a big Ducks football fan. So let's talk about the season and Ducks football in general. Stack it or whack it right now in its current state. What's going on? (laughs) Well, that's a fair assumption for anybody who attended University of Oregon, (laughs) uh, first off. Uh, But I mean, stack it, of course. Uh, we're excited about, uh, where the team is right now. I mean, I mean, you were talking a little bit before we started recording here, but I think we had a little bit of a disappointing end of the season last year, but we retained our coach and we got the great jerseys. So, you know, we were excited about the future at ducks football for sure. Yeah. They always have the best uniforms. It is. That's that Nike connection, right? (laughs) It pays off. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to stack the ducks then. So I do have to, I do have to have one, you know, tech tech question for you then. You know, what I, I came across this study and this still blows my mind, um, but I also get it that 62% of millennials are getting their advice online or from social media. And no secret that, you know, my generation below and are really are poised to inherit anywhere from 68 to like 84 trillion, I think are the recent numbers from baby boomers. So I have to ask your opinion on stack it or whack it when it comes to social media advice, obviously betterment being a very mobile forward platform, folks constantly on their phone, checking accounts, things like that. What are your thoughts about getting advice (laughs) online? This is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to say stack it. Ooh, okay. Because we do do this, but with a caveat that I, I think that, you know, you have to have uh, responsible parameters for for how you go about this. I, I do believe in it because of some of the things I was saying before about you know a new generation of investors and meeting people where they are. If you don't meet them where they are, they just won't get the. A lot of times they won't have access to the information. So if you can be responsible about it, uh, and we can figure out a way to to limit the amount of less responsible 
uh, advice that's out there on social media, um, then I think I I'm a buyer at least for today. Okay. I can, I can get on board with that. Okay, good. (laughs) All right. Two stacks. I like it. Uh, well, Tom, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and getting to know the betterment story more. So please feel free to tell listeners where they can find out more about you and what you're ultimately working on and feel free to shout out any call to actions. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, just take a look at the website, betterment.com. Uh, our, our, uh, advisor focused website is advisors, uh, dot betterment.com. Um, but all the information is there and then please get in touch with our team. There's plenty of ways to do that, uh, that you'll find online. Fantastic. Well, again, I appreciate your time and be sure to like, and subscribe to the WealthTech podcast on all major podcasting platforms and follow all things WealthStack on wealthmanagement.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you want the in-person WealthStack experience, be sure to join me May 13th through 16th at the Diplomat in Hollywood, Florida for Wealth Management Edge. And thank you all for tuning in. Trade PMR offers to support the growth that RAAs deserve. Whether you're looking to add an additional custodial services provider or make the switch to a new one, Trade PMR offers advisors access to dedicated team members. So when you need help, you know exactly who to call. Trade PMR, member of FINRA and SIPC.